The reading this morning is taken from Romans chapter 12, and I'm reading the first 16 verses. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Just as each one of us has body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in the... Pro in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honour one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervour, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position and do not be conceited. Well, good morning. Good morning. Great to be with you. Thank you so much for the invitation. Um, as Paul has said, I'm uh, Chris. I'm married to Rachel. Rachel's from the States. We have three children, Ellen, Joshua, and Caitlin. Um, I'm the national director for InterServe in Great Britain and Ireland. Um, and along with my wife, we are partners of um, InterServe, as Paul has um, said as well. Um, InterServe exists to see um, Jesus made known among the peoples of Asia and the Arab world. And in our staff team, as he's also said, uh, we're very privileged to have uh, Shirley Baptist Church's very own Paul Davidson um, as a, a part of our team. Paul brings... Uh, many great things. We really appreciate having him, not least his very dry sense of humor, um, which I have to say brightens up uh, many, uh, many a day in the office. 
Um, I'm continuing um, in your series of encountering church um, and want to look at um, our calling to be a barrier-breaking church. Now, boundaries or borders are things um, that affect all of us in different ways. Uh, My family, we moved from Southeast Asia um, here into Shirley in March 2020, um, and just two weeks before lockdown, and we actually uh, rented a house up on Green Hill Way just behind Tesco, the last road in Solihull before you cross the boundary into Birmingham, big scary Birmingham on the other side. And um, it was, you know, really interesting how being in Green Hill Way, that side of the border, had a number of impacts on us. Um, obviously, where we paid our council tax, who um, collected the bins. Uh, but also, perhaps most significantly for us, Ellen, um, our oldest daughter, um, was uh, needed to go into um, secondary school the following September, and that had a huge impact on the school um, that she was accepted into and has shaping her, her school career. Another boundary uh, that I remember something that really impacted me in terms of how important boundaries and borders can be was back in 2018, I was on the island of Lesbos um, in a large refugee camp there surrounded by peoples who had come to Europe um, from places like Afghanistan, um, Iran, um, Syria, and Iraq. Um, and it was just incredible to see this huge refugee camp right here in Europe. And I remember thinking the only thing that separates me really significantly from these people is where I was born and what kind of passport I hold. And yet our outlook on life, our prospect, what laid ahead of us um, was dramatically different. Well, not all boundaries are bad. Those of us who are parents um, no, we'll, we'll, we spend considerable time and energy, don't we, um, setting safe boundaries for our children. But there are some boundaries when we encounter the gospel that are meant to be broken down. And our gospel is a gospel of reconciliation. That's something that the Apostle Paul was really passionate about. It centered on the work that Jesus did on the cross. So Paul writes to the Ephesians um, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 13 to 16. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility." God's work on the cross breaks down this barrier of hostility and reconciles Jews 
and Gentiles, and by extension, all other groups to one another. And it reconciles all of us together to God. All those who enter into new life through Jesus become part of one family, sisters and brothers in Christ. I love that kids' song that we sang. Um, I've never heard it before, I thought, but that, was a, that summarized um, a lot of the sermon um, really beautifully. The cross is the, the foundation for this most profound reconciliation. If there was no cross, there could be no reconciliation. But this gospel of reconciliation is not just demonstrated through what Jesus did on the cross. It's also to be demonstrated through the church. Um, Theologian N.T. Wright talks about this, and he puts it more eloquently um, than I can. He says, the church is not then simply a loose association of people who have all had similar spiritual experiences and so get together from time to time to encourage one another. The church is the new family of Jesus' followers. This family, in fact, is called to be a worship-based, spiritually renewed, multi-ethnic kinship group. This family is to be a sign to the world of the way in which God's new creation is a reality in waiting, challenging the world's ways of organizing human life. Living in this way is not an optional extra for followers of Jesus, a kind of added hobby for those who want something different on top of their regular Bible study or prayer meetings. It is part of the deal. God's new creation, His kingdom, is to be a place where people from every background are to be welcomed in, and where the barriers that the world puts up are to be broken down through the power of the gospel. And the church is to be a sign of this multi-ethnic, multicultural, multi-generational, multi-class kingdom. If we're to be a church that demonstrates the gospel of reconciliation, we must be a church where such boundaries are broken down. It was true in Rome, and we will get to the Romans passage in a minute, um, in the first century, and it's certainly true in Shirley in the 21st century. So Paul describes what this boundary-breaking church is to be like here in Romans 12, um, in the passage that we read. We didn't have time to read the whole chapter. It's a great chapter. And it starts with these two verses that probably many of us um, know well. Um, They uh, really kind of a a good um, way for us to think about our life of Christian discipleship. Let me read them again. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. It's good, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. 
verses that we can all take as life verses and probably spend all of our Christian lives trying to unpack and live out, um, and we do well to do that. But if I'm honest, I have tended to look at these verses and interpret them as applying very quickly to my personal walk with Jesus. And they do. But then, it's interesting, not surprisingly, after verse 2 in Romans 12 comes verse 3. And in verse 3, instead of talking about in this very personal, vertical relationship between me and God, um, Paul actually applies them into thinking about the church. So he goes straight on in verse 3 and he says, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. And then he talks about different gifts um, in the body and how they're to be exercised. What's top of Paul's mind as he instructs the Romans is the body of believers, the church, living sacrifice, um, transformation by the renewing of your mind is worked out in the context of relationships with others in the church. Jumping down to verse 9, he says, Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Uh, A whole torrent of of commands, of exhortations. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. Verse 13, share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Um, Down to 16, live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. And throughout this passage, there is a clear theme of humility. Verse 3, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought. Verse 10, honor one another above yourselves. Verse 16, do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Now this, we might look at this and think that's a very challenging teaching. It is, it challenges me. Um, But this was a very radical teaching um, when uh, Paul wrote these words. And to understand how radical it is, we need to understand um, the context in which Paul was preaching. And, and Roman society was very hierarchical. It was very class conscious. You associated with people within your social class and not with others. But this is exactly what Paul is encouraging the Roman church to do. There are to be no social barriers We are not to differentiate people based on how wealthy they are, where they come from, where they live. Rather, the church was to be a place where people from all backgrounds were welcomed, where hospitality was extended to all, where everyone was to be honored. This was truly countercultural. Why did Paul exhort the church to be so countercultural? It was going to be a challenge for many. 
The reality, even for us, I think, is that it's much easier for us to hang around people who are like us than people who are different to us, people who speak a different language, people who see things in a different way. And yet Paul encouraged the church to model this different way because he understood this is a powerful demonstration of how the gospel of reconciliation can be lived out and shown to a watching world. Before we were in Southeast Asia, um, Rachel and I lived in Central Asia, and we were there uh, where one year there was quite serious inter-ethnic violence between a majority ethnic group and a minority uh, group, and unfortunately, um, quite a lot of people uh, died but it was encouraging to hear stories of where pastors uh, in the small and growing church there, where pastors from the majority um, ethnic group took in pastors from the minority group and hid them and kept them safe. A powerful demonstration of this gospel of reconciliation in the face of hatred and violence. I just want to focus on a a couple of um, verses there in Romans 12. Um, The first one is verse 3. Do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought. InterServe was founded in 1852 um, in order to reach out to women in South Asia who were part of, of closed communities who didn't have access to medicine, to education, who didn't have access to hearing uh, the gospel. Um, And today we still seek to see that transformation through encounter with Jesus, transformation um, of uh, the gospel as we take that uh, holistic approach. And so many inter-serve workers use skills in medicine, in education, um, in other professions, uh, using their experience to serve many um, in Asia um, and across the Middle East and Africa. But the world today is incredibly different from the world of 1852. Then, the church was relatively strong in Europe and in North America. Today, the church has grown tremendously um, right across our world, and particularly in Latin America, in sub-Saharan Africa, and in parts of Asia. And we praise God for that. Places where um, some inter-serve uh, workers are. Thirty years ago, there was hardly any known national church. Today, there is. And that's wonderful. In fact, two-thirds of Christians globally come from what we call the global south, those countries of Latin America, um, Africa, and Asia. We, here in Europe, um, and in what would be called the global north, are no longer in the, in the majority. And as we were thinking um, earlier, the church is incredibly diverse and something for us to celebrate. But that diversity is not just something that's happening out there over in different countries that some of us have had the privilege of uh, going to. It's also happening here in the UK. Um, Harvey Kriani 
um, who wrote a book called Multicultural Kingdom, talks about the church in London, and he thinks about what happened in Acts chapter 2. We've just celebrated Pentecost. But he makes the point that just like in Acts 2, even this Sunday morning, we could hear people speak of the great things God has done in Afrikaans, Bemba, Chua, Dutch, Ewa, all the way to Zulu and beyond. Well, that's London, but I don't think Birmingham would necessarily be that far behind. Christianity has become a truly global religion, but also the nations have come to the UK and the church here is becoming, when taken as a whole, um, increasingly diverse. And within this diverse, multicultural family that we find ourselves, we need to heed well Paul's exhortation to a position of humility. Yes, we have good news to share with others. We're called to witness how God has transformed our lives um, and what he's done. But we should always also be learners, always recognizing that God has things to teach us, um, particularly through those who are not like us. It is not just about what we have to share with others. Um, back in 1978, a group of theologians, um, they uh, met to discuss the relationship between Christ and different cultures. And they said, they said this, they said, the gospel is a multifaceted diamond with different aspects that appeal to people in different cultures. And that means that as we listen to how people from other cultures um, understand and live out the Bible, that that helps deepen our own understanding of the gospel. Um, that's something that um, Rachel and I have had the privilege um, of experiencing over and over again as we've lived overseas um, for 16 years in Asia and be pa being part of, of different local churches. We read the Bible differently um, and I hope more richly than we used to because those people, those brothers and sisters in Christ who we've had the privilege of sharing life with have given, given us insights um, that we didn't have before. And one thing we've learned is the importance of not only seeing the Bible um, through the lens of our personal relationship with Jesus, but also with those who come from more community-minded cultures, they've helped us to uh, see the importance of reading, through, reading the Bible through a community lens. So this passage in Romans 12, it's not just about how I love my fellow Christian and seek to honor them in order to grow in my personal walk of discipleship. It is about that, but it's also about how we together live out these transformed relationships as the body of Christ and the witness that that brings to a watching world. Jesus himself said in John 13 to the disciples, by this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So we need to always be asking, what can we learn from the church um, in other parts of the world? Closer to home, how good are we at reaching out 
to those um, who are not like us and welcoming them in our church family? Do we tolerate those differences or do we actually celebrate them? Do we see them as something that slows things down or as an opportunity to demonstrate the power of this gospel of reconciliation? How would those who might feel they don't fit in readily in the church feel we are doing in terms of not thinking of ourselves more highly than we ought? What about those who have fallen on hard times, who are in difficulty, um, who uh, come into the ministries that we're involved in? Verse 16, Paul tells us, be willing to associate with people of low position. But do we relate to those people as kind of recipients of ministry, as recipients of mercy, or do we truly see them as brothers and sisters in Christ, um, equals for us to learn from, as well as to care for and extend um, generosity to? The other thing, um, just as we come uh, towards a conclusion, I wanted to just highlight is this very short command in verse 13, practice hospitality. Now, the hospitality that Paul is talking about here in Romans 12 is it's actually primarily about a process in which an outsider moves from being a stranger to a guest. So he's not saying to the people who are a sort of established part of the Roman community, you know, make sure that you have meals together. They were doing that, um, and that was an important part of how they expressed fellowship. But he's actually talking about those who were outside of the church community and saying, bring them in. We know from historical records that appreciable numbers of people were moving around the Roman Empire, and Rome would have been quite a multicultural, multi-ethnic place. Um, We have a few examples in the Bible. Of course, we see Paul moving about all over the place. He normally got thrown out of of a city after one or two years if he hadn't moved by himself. But there are others too. Aquila, um, we read, he came from what is now northern Turkey um, and along with his wife Priscilla lived in Rome, Corinth and Ephesus. Um, They were very mobile people. And so first century Rome would have had quite a few similarities to 21st century Birmingham. You know, over 20% of Birmingham residents were not born in the UK. Um, We've had recently um, a lot of people moving into the UK from Hong Kong. Um, And I heard a couple of weeks ago that, you know, even here in Solihull, there are around 700 um, Hong Kong families with school-aged children who have moved um, into Solihull in the last few months. Like many cities um, around the world, the West Midlands is made up of a very international mix of people. And the church has a particular place to offer hospitality to uh, these people. I'm a part of Birmingham Vineyard, um, and uh, we were able a few months ago to take on a pastor from Hong Kong who'd moved um, into uh, Solihull um, and um, to come and to help uh, welcome um, Hong Kong families who are looking for a church to join. 
And so one of our morning services now, we have translation into Cantonese, and we're seeing a growing number come in. Some of them were in church in Hong Kong, but interestingly, some of them weren't, and yet are coming to church here because they're in a new situation. They're willing to um, explore new things. 700 Hong Kong families here in Solihull. I wonder what opportunities God is giving us to practice hospitality. Well, organizations like InterServe exist to serve churches as they reach out across boundaries. Traditionally, this has been done through sending people out from churches overseas, and that's still a relevant call. That's still something that we're very much involved in doing. Um, So Jesus' last command to his disciples in Acts 1 verse 8 was, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Today, there are still many Christians in Britain who sense a call to go to the ends of the earth. And so um, we have InterServe workers um, from Britain who are in various countries across um, Asia and, uh, uh, and mainland Europe. And others serve churches as they seek to reach out across boundaries here in the UK through outreach and ministry to peoples from other nations who've come to live here. Another way that we help churches to reach out across boundaries is through training. But whether you choose to work with an organization or interserve, like InterServe or not, the call to be a church community that lives out this gospel of reconciliation through transformed relationships is clear. And in an increasingly divided and divisive world, it is a powerful and desperately needed witness. So how is God calling us to respond as individuals, as a church community? Well, perhaps somebody comes to your mind, a a neighbor, um, somebody who you work with, somebody who is different from you. And you do sense, perhaps you have been sensing for a while, that God is prompting you to seek to uh, get to know them. Maybe there's somebody already as part of the church community here who is different from you that you need to spend some time with building relationship so that you can learn from them and their experience of God. Well, perhaps um, God is calling you to be engaged in something further afield. Or perhaps there is a group that God is calling you as a church to extend hospitality to. Simple steps of prayer, hospitality, even just sitting down and having a coffee with someone. Listening, learning, sharing your life and God's story can and often is transformational. We don't have to be cross-cultural experts or even gifted evangelists. The call that Jesus gives us is simply to testify to our experience of what Jesus has done in our lives. It just starts with a conversation, a willingness to spend time with others and to share our stories. So let's not be afraid to step out to explore deeper this multicultural kingdom 
of God that we're a part of and to welcome others into our amazing worldwide family. And let's ask God to open our eyes to what he wants to do through us as individuals, as families, but also collectively as a church community, as witnesses to this life-transforming gospel of reconciliation that is at work amongst us. Amen.